think it's interesting to look at this whole thing and see how you react in stress. And if you didn't think I was prepared with toilet paper and paper towels, of course I was. If you didn't think I was prepared for having to be quarantined or worrying about everybody, absolutely. I've lived through this in my mind a million times. So what do you think I am? I'm a six, of course. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Advice Not Given podcast. Each week, we share unfiltered, truth-telling conversations between two friends. You're invited to eavesdrop as we give each other the advice you didn't ask for, but wish you did. We're your hosts, Kelly Artis and Claire Wood of Millsburg Gurus, and this is Advice Not Given. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of the Advice Not Given podcast. You know, Kelly, today we are uh, recording another episode and I am in yet another office to record. (laughs) Normally I'm in my laundry room. Last time we recorded, I was at my parents' house in my dad's office. Today I'm coming in from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm at my sister's house sitting in my brother-in-law's office and looking at deer antlers and a bunch of Tennessee Vols football (laughs) decor but you know what i'm happy to be here inspirational yeah you've got like the the mobile podcast studio i love it (laughs) you know work anywhere work anywhere yeah well and on on that note i do want to say we're not real sure what my my audio quality is going to be so if it is a little scratchy or you know different from usual. Just bear with us. I told Kelly, we're calling this the summer of good enough is good enough. (laughs) Right. That's right. (laughs) Perfection is the enemy of done, right? That's exactly right. Yep. It really is. It really is. We're going to let go of any of our one tendencies and we're just going to push through it. So one listeners, we love you. We apologize. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Nobody else will care. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, on our last episode, we got to cover Kelly's number, which was the Enneagram five. And today we're diving into my Enneagram number and what has often been uh, debated as one of the most common Enneagram numbers, and that's Enneagram Mm -hmm. sixes. And so um, I don't know how you felt when we recorded for the fives, but I'm feeling a little extra vulnerable today, like just leading up to this conversation. Yeah, because I'm going to hit you with the same questions you hit me with. So let's just start with that. Claire, tell us about how you found the Enneagram. Like, how did you come about finding your number? What was that like for you? Yeah, well, so I remember we were living in Augusta, Georgia, and it was, gosh, I don't know, maybe 2016 or may, I don't know, I think around 2016 and another podcaster and kind of Instagrammer blogger, um, Tish Oxenrider had posted about the Enneagram and she just raved and raved and raved about it. And as I've mentioned many times on this podcast, I love any kind of typing system, any kind of personality test, just a huge junkie of that. And so of course I hear about another one. I'm going to go look into it. Well, um, pretty early on in my, you know, journey, Enneagram journey, I found the paid test on the Enneagram Institute website and thought, you know what, I want to just pay the 12 bucks and take it. And I spent, you know, took about an hour to take it. And then immediately they email you your results and seriously, maybe 20 pages of a PDF. And I remember sitting in my dining room crying, just literal tears streaming down my face. And it was as if all the years of my life and all the like, like lifelong feeling misunderstood, or like maybe I was the only person mm-hmm. who ever felt this way or had these weird quirks and, and qualities. I felt like I had been striving and fighting so hard against. It was like I was reading a manuscript about my life as if mm-hmm. someone had followed mm-hmm. me around for, you know, 35, mm-hmm. 36 years. And, um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, it was just this huge, just epiphany of like, well, no wonder. And of course, and yet yeah, now this makes sense. Oh my God. Of course, of course, of course. So it was such a, a big moment for me that I just felt like, gosh, if this, you know, has given me such a, a new look on, you know, what life could be like or why I'm doing all the things I'm doing and these patterns I'm getting stuck in. Uh, I got to tell other people about it. And I believe it was then that I shared on Facebook and you and I had already connected very briefly as just friends on Facebook. And we got, you know, kind of into a little Facebook conversation about it and Mm -hmm. then private messaging and then emailing and then phone calls. And then, you know, here we are four years later. Um, But yeah, that was my thread. Like you've got to go back through your wall and we should screenshot that as like history. (laughs) I totally should do that. I will. I will do that. That would be really funny. Yeah. Yeah. But as a type six, who is already kind of like, I won't say worried, but you know, a, a type that tends to feel worried about a lot of things I've carried around a lifelong, you know, years and years, lifelong time of all these fears and worries that when I now had the vocabulary to see like, well, this is just kind of part of your makeup. It was like, I had permission to not feel like I was, something was wrong with me or something was right. damaged or I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah, no, I felt the same way with mine. It's like, oh, there's explanation for these things. Mm -hmm. I'm not just like failing, right? I'm not just like suffering. This is actually, this is, life is hard and it's hard because of all these ways for each of these types. And this is why you're behaving in this way. And this is how you can do better. I just thought, yeah. Yeah. So it's almost, almost like liken it to somebody who has spent years like seeking out a medical diagnosis. And then all of a sudden you see a specialist and they're like, oh no, 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 this, this is exactly what you have. We see this all the time. And here's this really, you know, simple treatment. It's going to take years of of work and maintenance, but now, you know, and, and it's just like the, the wait list almost. And can we just talk about the fact that you just use a sickness as an example? I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Perfect. Um, okay. Well, let's do, um, you might be a six. If, yeah. Okay. Well, what's funny is I'm actually each episode using my Wisdom of the Enneagram book. And um, the way that's set up is they do, they call it a type attitude sorter. And so for all the other ones I've referenced, they've been blank because I already knew my number when I got this book, but I went through and did my own markings down some of these. And I let's just say I'm off the charts a six for sure. So, okay. So for those of you who may be listening, you don't know your type, or you're maybe thinking about a spouse or a friend or a loved one and thinking through, see if any of these statements resonate. You might be a six if you're attracted to authority, but also distrustful of it at the same time. You might be a six if you are very emotional, although you don't often show what you feel except to those you are very close with. But even then, not always. You might be a six if you make a mistake, you worry that everybody's going to jump down your throat. Great for people pleasers. Uh, You might be a six if you don't always agree with the rules, but then you also don't always follow them because you want to know exactly like what they are and where the boundary is. You might be a six if you tend to have very strong first impressions about people that are difficult to change. You might be a six if other people often see you as jittery and nervous, but they don't even know the half of it. (laughs) Uh, You might be a six if, um, let's see, if you want to trust people, but you often find yourself questioning their motives. That's a real, real big one. You might be a six if you're a really hard worker and you just keep plodding along until the job gets done. And then lastly, you might be a six 
It's really weird, but you can be skeptical, even cynical about all kinds of things and then turn around and fall for something hook, line and sinker. Hmm. Yeah. Which of those did you feel like the most strongly about? Um, you know, I, I think probably the one about very, being very emotional, but then you don't even really show what you feel to other people except to those people you're close with. I think that one really hits me because, and this is just my perception. I don't mean it to sound like, Oh, I think I'm this great friend, but I do think like to other people that I connect with on like a friendship level and maybe even like extended family, they may think, Oh wow. Like you don't, you seem like you really got it all together. And like, you know, but on the inside and then to like the ultimate close people, like my mom, my sister, Ryan, I feel like I'd tax and, drain them from how needy I can be <laughs> with my emotions. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. So I like, yeah, that, that resonates for me too, actually. Cause my, so I have a six wing, right. that's probably my stronger, more dominant wing. And, um, I do feel a lot of that. Um, and I do feel like there's a lot going on that people will never see. Oh yeah. Right. Um, and by just, design, you know, like are, you work very hard are, to keep yeah. that per- part of yourself protected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you need to appear cool and calm and you've got it under control. Yeah. Um, Again, because it threatens the safety of something, right? Your group, your your castle, your home, whatever. And then you're right; you can overtax the pe- the few people that you've decided to let in. Yeah. Um. To that, you do have to blow that off at some you point. Yeah. You know, you blow off steam, whatever. But um. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, not really from that particular list, but I would just say, like, as a six, like we often really do find ourselves feeling loyal to our friends, our families, and causes. But at the same time, it's like. I don't know. It's like you work really hard to feel that and to make other people feel at ease with that. But then at the same time, it's almost like you don't trust those relationships or you don't trust that what you've spent all this time and energy building into is actually going to to stand. Like you've got to keep kind of like you were saying with the fives, like you've got to keep you, you're you're never going to get to the end of achieve or not achieving, but learning and and reading. For me, it's like I never get to the end of being relational and trying to make sure that I'm holding these relationships together. Do you feel this is kind of, well, okay. Do you feel that other people don't take the relationships as seriously as you do? And does, how does that affect you? Because here I'm hearing you say like, you're putting a lot of equity into your communities, right? On purpose. That's you. And that's how you, you know, feel safe. And and that's how you're motivated, but do you feel, do you ever feel that people like take advantage of that or take it for granted? And does that, is that something that you notice or, or so I'm going to, I'm going to answer that kind of yes and no. I, I do feel that way sometimes, but I also fully recognize that that that's really my fault because I keep people at arm's length. Like I love inviting you over and I love you know, interacting with you, but kind of like you said too, with the five, like you just keep, I literally kind of keep my arm out. Like you can come close, but only this close. Um, And that's, that ends up being to my detriment. And we, you and I've talked a lot about this before. I also think the longer we're doing what we're doing, which is moving every few years, restarting relationships, restarting. It's like that muscle that you would think it's getting stronger, but sometimes it feels like it's getting weaker. Like it's getting harder to it's worn out. Yeah, it's worn out. It is. It is. Wow. But but yeah, we don't we don't feel like we hold have the internal resources on our own, so we crave that. So it's this cycle of like craving that, reaching out for it, and then holding people off. So 
Yeah. It's really yeah, fun. Well, it's always the paradox, right? Yeah. It's the thing that we want the most is the thing that we fight. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, ladies. This is Jen McDonald. I discovered the Enneagram through you guys a couple of years ago, and I was convinced I was a two. And then I've gone back and forth for about a year, whether I'm a two or a six. And I have no doubt any longer because I think it's interesting to look at this whole thing and see how you react in stress. And if you didn't think I was prepared with toilet paper and paper towels, of course I was. If you didn't think I was prepared for having to be quarantined or worrying about everybody, absolutely. I've lived through this in my mind a million times. So what do you think I am? I'm a six, of course. And I don't know. There was like almost a peacefulness once it all happened. Like, okay. I'm, I'm good. We are prepared for this. What else could happen? And I don't want to say that lightly because I know worse can happen, but I think it's been really telling to me to kind of see how I'm moving through all of this in light of where I lead with the Enneagrams. Sixes are often called the loyalist, as you've already probably gathered. Um, they're often called guardians and also doubters. Um, contrarian is another one that I came across that I was like, Oh, I see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, sixes are the anchor point in the head triad. So between the five, six and seven, they're in the center. Um, so they're in the head center as far as their center of intelligence. They're still thinking people, but they're also going to be head repressed or thinking repressed. They're going to doubt, um, the things that they think because, because again, being in that anchor point and not having sort of a flank outside of their center kind of misaligns your perception. Yes, so. it does. Yeah, okay. As I deep breath, exhale when you say that. Yes. I don't know. I was like, you, you were going to make it through this. <laughs> so, um, all right. The core desire for a six is to have support and guidance. Um, and the core fear is of having no support or being unable to survive alone. Uh, so back to a lot of what Claire's already talked about. Um, um, sixes are extremely community oriented. Um, you know, and that definition of community may vary, but for the most part, they're super relationship driven um, and also really cognizant of authority. Um, and that can play out in two different ways. You could either, like she mentioned in one of the, you might be a six ifs, um, you might either, you know, rely on and push towards authority and like seek it out and, and see security there, or you might be against the authority. Um, so there's a, there's a phobic version of the six and a counterphobic version of the six. Uh, so a lot of times they look very different. Uh, the counterphobic six actually looks a lot like an eight. eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Cause that assertiveness kind of shows up. Um, so, so often when there's, you know, issues of, around mistyping or being confused or, Oh, I don't really fit into that. Or I, mm-hmm. your test comes back and says six, but you're like, mm, I don't know. Cause that one paragraph didn't really land dig in a little bit more, look into the subtypes because there might be um, some allowance for that. Claire, do you know, are you, a, are you phobic or counterphobic? Well, I'm mostly phobic, but I think it's a lot of times sort of like a wing, like you can kind of lean in to one or the other at different times or depending on the circumstance. Um, so yeah, I, I tend to be more phobic, but there are certain situations where I'm like, no, full force ahead. I'm going to, you know, rear up and <laughs> come against you. <laughs> So there are three different subtypes for each number, and we didn't, we haven't really touched on this, guys. It's it's pretty deep. Um, we can dig in maybe on another episode, but next um, summer there's the, next summer there's the self preservation subtype, which those folks are kind of um, they're 
it's the way in which they pursue or deal with or reckon with their passion. The passion for a six is fear. So that's your emotional struggle that you're always kind of grappling with. Right. Um, so the way that self-preservation, um, a person that is dominant in the self-preservation instinctual variant or subtype um, is usually looking to um, counteract their fear and finding comfort in like their physical needs, right? right? So those folks are more oriented around like bottom rung level stuff. Yeah. So they're the ones that can notice temperature. Has everyone eaten? Right. You know, is anyone hungry? That sort of well, thing. Well, it says that we typically um, like fret about the small things. Yeah. That's like a sure. classic sign of the yeah. self-preservation yeah. six. Good. Self-press six, and those are also called the phobic six, as we've already talked about. They're really um, keen on alliances, yeah. right? So they're, they're going to be a bit more like about about the group, but specifically about who they can trust, right? Right. That's and um, that is my subtype, and it's like when you walk yeah. into any room or any new situation, you're kind of constantly scanning for like who's the authority figure here? Can I trust them? Uh -huh. If yes, great. I'm aligning. I'm on board, which is what makes us such great employees, right? Like we we find find out the boss's motives. And then we are like, yeah, falling in line. We can trust you. Or yeah. if we can't, we probably can't even work there. Or is it like, are you a threat to my already existing community right. or this community that I've found? So there's the social subtype, which is a bit more um, concerned with rules and they're a little more legalistic. Right. Um, and then there is the sexual or intimate one-to-one -one subtype, which is the counterphobic. Um, and we say counter because it seems out of place, right? right? It kind of against the other two. Um, this one is going to be more about the intimate relationships and again, why they're so like kind of fierce against outside opposition. Right. Um, Assertive, so, defiant, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You usually have a primary, a secondary, and then one that you're completely Not disassociated from. Yeah pressed from. So it sounds like to me, you've got a stack, they call it a stack. So you're self-pres slash sexual, like primary, secondary. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the social, maybe that you're a little less um, in touch with. Right. So I, yeah, love it. Okay. So that was a bit of a rabbit hole, guys. I'm a five. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> six also shares this um, triad that's called the reactive um, triad. So that's in how you deal with um, conflict. Right. So share that with an eight and a four. So you're actually called intensity in that way. It's like an intensity triad. So you're going to um, react versus comply oh, yes. versus um, positive outlook. For a six, you can either have a five wing, which kind of makes you, which is my wing. You're the defender. Um, usually like also like a five, you like really seek out information. You have like a very problem solving analytical brain a lot of times. And um the six with a seven wing is known as the buddy. And I feel like in my younger years, I was, I had more of a seven wing because that's the fun, the fun you, the engaging, the people person, the one that's like able to quit taking everything quite so seriously. And really almost like you try to avoid, and we'll talk more about this when we cover the sevens, but like yeah. you want to avoid the heavy, you want to avoid the, uh, you know, anything that's like a threat to your happiness and your like wanting yeah. to like put off and like avoid almost um, hard things. You love to kid around, that kind of thing. So I often catch myself instinctually leaning into my five, but wanting to try to lean in a little more to my seven because I sense how yeah. I, I, I need more of that. I need more fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a good practice um, to learn where you, you know, what you could draw from that would benefit you. Right. Um, 
six is really struggle. I think we can't have this conversation without talking about uh, the worst case scenario thinking. Right. <laughs> um, so as an effort to sort of circumvent a lot of the fears, there's always like this forecasting or this, um, what do you, you call it? Catastrophizing, yes, right, Claire? I do. <laughs> let, let me give you just a little like a practical example of this that I just this summer. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> when, when you're PCSing and you're leaving your house for like a month and you're living out of your car and at various family members' houses, you know, you have all the bags and all the things. And I pretty much leave no stone unturned when we pack. And we got to the pool the other night and this was untouched from last summer. So I wasn't moving. It was just my normal go-to, but within my pool bag, I have a little dry pouch. Let me tell you what I'll have in my dry pouch. You ready? <laughs> I had face sunscreen, aloe after sun lotion, Advil, Benadryl, Band-Aids, Neosporin, hydrocortisone cream, bug spray, and one other thing it seems like. But is that a lot? I mean, is that is that too much just to go to the pool? <laughs> So I was, who was I joking with the other day about your Mary Poppins bag? Like, <laughs> I've got a different one in my purse. That's just the pool bag. <laughs> like anything you could possibly imagine. And that's what's so great is because like, there's this really fun commercial, I think Huggies, like some diaper company um, with the first kid and the mom's got like the whole, like that kind of bag, right? Like everything possible. Second kid, they're like, grab some Cheerios and a, and a diaper and you're good. Like I have always been the grab a handful of Cheerios kind of mom. Mm-hmm. And I just make a point to make sure that I know a six. A six. Yeah. Because usually, and I hate to take advantage of you, Claire. I'm happy to pull out my, I used to call it my little CVS bag, right? Like if you have me, you don't need to stop at CVS because I have it all right there. Oh, alcohol wipes. That's the other thing I have, have in there. Um, yeah, but, but it's it's exhausting. It, it is because it's like to have that, that worst case scenario think. And it's not like I would just walk around like consciously, like, I don't know. Maybe I do. I'm kind of scanning, always scanning for threats, but, um, it is, it's tiring to, to live like that. So in health, you, uh, some of the words that I have written down for like really healthy sixes, um, self-reliant, courageous, engaging, reliable, committed, cooperative, and dutiful. And this could be no farther from the truth. I mean, this is, or no closer to the truth. I mean, this is exactly what I imagine when I think of sixes. Um, I think of just steadfast and faithful and like kind of the threads that hold all of our groups together. You know, whatever, whatever kind of community you're in, you're going to find a six, like hanging on to all of it and making sure that everyone feels welcomed and loved. Because again, if there's any disruption in the community, that's a threat to the security community. And again, that's a huge burden to bear, but, um, I don't know if we would have groups in the way that we do. Like we wouldn't see like society in the way that we do sometimes. I think if it were not for sixes who are able to kind of pull us all together and right. find the comrades and make sure that we can all hang, hang on to the same thing. Um, I see unhealthy words as uh, defensive, potentially authoritarian, <laughs> um, blaming, anxious, panicky, uh, paramo- paranoid, overcommitted, and indecisive. Um, so I think the one that jumps out for me is just the anxiety. Yeah, um, That's what I observe. I think I pull in a little bit of that sometimes. I definitely can resonate with that and understand that in a way, probably not to the same level, but um, just having to continually sort of prepare and worry um, can really disintegrate pretty quickly. Yeah. So uh, 
It can. And I, I'm going to interject here just a little bit about talking about the, the levels of health. Um, this is really where the course that Kelly and I developed kind of came into play on my own personal level, because what I was noticing is when life was settled, right? Like once we'd been at a duty station, eight, nine months, a year, I was feeling myself just naturally easing into those high levels. My environment was steady again. Every time, excuse me, every time we had a transition and whether that was a deployment, a move, anything like major on my radar, I would feel myself kind of deteriorating down into those lower levels. And for me, it's because when my environment is changing and I won't say turbulent, like I'm never in any like real danger, but just, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I hate to use the, the phrase or the term of quicksand, but it's almost like that's the best thing I can describe it as. Like when my world is in transition, I feel like I'm walking through quicksand and I can't quite get on stable footing. And so anytime there's a PCS or, you know, big change, I'm finding the, the lower levels, my go-to. And so I think that was kind of a lot of our early discussions about like, well, what can we do or how can we use this tool then of the Enneagram and any type to acknowledge what all those difficulties and stresses and transitions are. And then instead of falling prey to the lower levels, how do we catch it early and keep ourselves, you know, keep ourselves at the higher levels and do it well. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So I I think it's worth noting um, that in health, your heart point. So when you're doing really well, you can actually draw from some of the traits of the nine. Um, and that actually helps you become more grounded, uh, because nine is in the body triad. Relaxed. Yeah. (laughs) And rest. Yeah. Just kind of like, okay, let's take a moment. And it actually read somewhere that it can help you actually process some of the fears that you're experiencing in your body instead of just in your head. Right. So instead of experiencing the fear, you can actually kind of work through it. I mean, and I think that's why you mentioned the body keeps the score more than on our podcast. And I think that's probably why that may resonate a little bit with you because that's something that you could naturally sort of lean into. Um, stress threes go or nine, sorry, sixes go Go to to three. three. Um, I think this is fascinating. Mm -hmm. So as we there can be a good, like a high move or a low move. So the low move is going to, or moving to the low side of three is going to be your automated move that you're doing unintentionally, that you're just kind of like walking through life. These are the things we want to try to like bring to your attention. Uh, listener, not me, you Claire, (laughs) but no, I'm listening (laughs) because these can be like the red flag moments. Like, Oh wait, I am not okay. Right. They can kind of check you. Um, if you're moving to the high side of your stress number, it can actually be a huge benefit. It can give you more tools uh, to be able to tackle or deal with or move through the stress that you're experiencing. So what that looks like for a six um, is that if you're making the move on the low side of three, you're going to become more anxious, right? Because right. threes are really busy, right? We heard from Jessica a few episodes ago, like it's hard to stop, right? So that workaholic can come in, you know, stuff like that. Um, they could be more frenetic. Um, and then everything is kind of image driven. So that anxiety now sort of starts to transpose in ways of like the three sort of image consciousness. So not only are you anxious, but now you're worried about looking anxious. Right? I, <laughs> like, I relate that to like, you're almost like on a stage nervous about to throw up, but tap dancing the routine anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, da-da-da-da. <laughs> Exactly how I'm gonna. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 
Um, so on the high side, though, you can make the move well um, and become more productive and actually produce things instead of kind of getting trapped in the cyclone of stress and worry. Um, you can start actually doing, uh, you can be more well-paced uh, and you can be more active again, instead of like sitting kind of still in your worry or in your stress, um, you can be more driven and you can actually win people over uh, in a, cause usually the stress that you're experiencing has something to do with your people, right? right? Pulling into some of the positive traits of three will help you communicate whatever it is that you're, you're needing to like create cohesion in the group maybe. Um, but you're going to like ha- tap into some of those communication and like charisma skills that right. the three have. Well, and I'll just use kind of that same example I was talking about with like transitions. So for us this summer, this PCS transition, how I feel like in my own perception, how I have moved toward the healthy level of three was instead of panicking and getting more anxious, I use that energy, literal energy, and I turn that into you know, I'm going to like document all of my deep cleaning projects <laughs> before yes, we move. And so like for me, it was partly like obviously getting the payoff of having the clean stuff, but I was also sharing it and had so many friends like, yay, good. Like we're, we're, we're hanging in there with you. Like go for it. PCS, you know, solidarity. And then others like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm taking notes. Like I hadn't even thought to do it this way. And so that as a six gives me a kind of like a double win because I feel like I'm helping other people like to say, Hey, here's one way to, to do this. But I'm also getting the win really three, I guess, three wins. Cause I get the, the people win, I get the clean house. And then I also get the win of knowing that I'm using my energy in a productive way, not in a worrisome way. Yeah. And you also have great content for your Instagram. So <laughs> If by great content you call deep cleaning an oven, then yes. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, man. I think the last thing to note is the holy idea and the virtue uh, for the six. So um, you guys are really tuned in to faith. Yeah. Faith is kind of like a rock. And you've mentioned that several times. I have observed that in you. I know that is paramount and pivotal. And it is actually kind of a gift that you can bring to the rest of us because it is essentially the antidote to cowardice, right. which is the fiction of the six. Yeah. So being able to kind of fully rely on um, faith and faith. I mean, you can elaborate here, but it is literally making room for and accepting things that cannot be understood or explained otherwise. Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. I always so think I, I like the serenity prayer, but yeah, absolutely. Like I, um, I think I call it like our divine gift is just, you know, resting in God's faithfulness that then gives us courage to act as a six. That's perfect. I mean, that sums it up because again, courage is the virtue. Um, so how else could you tackle fear? Like how else do you address fear if not through courage and bravery? through faith. So, um, look to you sixes and you specifically Claire Wood <laughs> for those virtues and, uh, for lessons on how to do that. And I think that's the, the gift that sixes bring to the world. Um, and we want to support you in health and non-stress so that you can continue to do that. So, yeah. and my last little thing I'd like to say about sixes to those of you who are listening, Keep listening to your inner voice and honoring it because um, that's the thing we tend we tend to seek out so many outside opinions and voices as being untrustworthy of what we have on the inside. And as you grow and continue learning, like lean into your own voice, trust trust what you tell yourself because it, it is worthy of trusting. Thanks for joining us this week on Advice Not Given. For resources and links to all the things mentioned in today's episode, head over to our website 
at millspogurus.com. That's M-I-L-S-P-O-G-U-R-U-S. If you enjoyed this episode, please help others find us by adding your thoughts to an iTunes review and subscribing so you never miss a show. If you're interested in being a next level supporter of our endeavors, check out our Patreon page. You can pledge as little as a dollar per episode to help us out with expenses. Think of it as eavesdropping on our coffee date, but then sending over a latte. It's a thing. Also, be sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Gurus, where we keep the conversation going and where you can share your advice not given.